Hi and welcome to the Jewelry Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about fine jewelry in a simple way and break away from the norms and traditions that have tainted an industry previously weighed down by tradition. And firstly, I want to say a warm welcome to all new listeners. And then I want to say welcome back to all our regular listeners. And I want you to know that I'm so happy to be back after the summer vacation. Here in Sweden, it is common to take several weeks completely off in the middle of the summer. And that is what I have done. But now... I'm so happy to be back podcasting with you. And today we are going to talk about something I have thought about a lot, but haven't really been sure how to address in this podcast. The topic even leads into what I call to be the seven cardinal sins of jewelry shopping. But how did I get to think about this? The fact is that I can't help but think that it must be quite common to have at least one piece of jewelry at home that, well, didn't really work for you the way you hoped. Just as how we all have those garments hanging at the back of our closets, perhaps still with a tag on them, that you like to think that you will use someday. But deep down, you know it's not going to happen which is why it is still hanging there, because you keep telling yourself that someday, someday I'll wear it on the right occasion, whilst pushing it further back into the closet and instead picking out one of your beloved staples. And let me tell you a secret. I think there is never going to be a right occasion for some of those garments. With jewelry, we have the same problem. The tag might not be left on, mainly because fine jewelry doesn't normally come with a tag. So if you buy it, you usually have to keep it. And there is no two-week return policy. So the piece will end up in a drawer or perhaps in the jewelry box on your nightstand table, giving you a guilt trip every time you pick another piece over it. And this is a situation you really want to avoid at any cost. But can you? Perhaps you do have to buy the jewelry equivalent to those two short jeans shorts or two oversized sweater in a weird color to find that amazing signature piece that you will love and wear every day. That statement ring you now feel completely naked without. Because... As with any conundrum, there are always two sides to the same coin. When you wait for the stars to align and the ideal circumstances to find that mega-perfect piece of jewelry that will solve all your jewelry problems and fulfill all of your jewelry dreams at once, it is actually really not fair to put that much pressure on a piece of jewelry, I think. And you can't really find it because it doesn't exist. And that is when you end up never buying anything because it never feels 100%. And then you end up with zero pieces in your collection. Or if you are lucky, 
you will actually have some jewelry in your jewelry box, but it will be filled with pieces that somebody else chose for you on different occasions or that were passed down from older relatives. In both cases, you will be living your life with an unnourished jewelry interest that was never truly allowed to blossom. And there is another side to this. I think that being intentional with creating something for yourself, like building a jewelry collection, is when you really start to build your passion. You become passionate about the things you were part of creating yourself, like a jewelry collection. And it's first when you do that, that you really start to love fine jewelry and perhaps start to appreciate gifted jewelry even more. Buying jewelry for yourself actually tends to take some of the pressure off the gifts you receive. We talked about this in a previous episode, our very first episode, Are You Allowed to Buy Fine Jewelry for Yourself? In that episode, I also talked about having jewelry as a hobby, just like you can be really into cars or gardening, and that it is totally okay to allow yourself to be nerdy and into your hobby of choice, regardless if it is Morganites or Mustangs. There are a lot of people who haven't found their passion, but if you have found yours, own it. But by embracing your love of jewelry, or clothes, or cars for that matter, sooner or later you will buy something that just isn't right for you. And maybe it is impossible to avoid. Maybe you can't love every single piece of jewelry that you buy. Even though, frankly, this can cause a bit of anxiety, I think it is just part of the journey. And then it might just simply be best to do an Elsa and let it go, either by selling it at auction or give it away to a relative. But with this said, I haven't actually conducted any research about if there are many people out there with anxiety pieces in your jeweler box that you never use. So I asked my colleague Elina to ask the people who follow Mumbai Stockholm's Instagram to put the question out there. Have you ever bought a piece of jewelry that wasn't right for you? Have you regretted the purchase or become disappointed? I thought that the 23,000 something people following Mumbai's account was a better sample size than our more modest following at the jewelry podcast Instagram account. But by the way, if you are listening but aren't following jewelry podcast on Instagram, I think you should. And then I can ask more questions there. But getting back to the question, the majority of our followers actually answered yes. They all had jewelry purchases at home that they regretted. And I found this very interesting. Naturally, Elena's second question then was, what was it that went wrong? Do you think you had the wrong expectations or was it the person or store you bought the piece from that didn't meet your expectations? We actually got a lot of really interesting answers. It was evident that many of our followers had their own unique stories as to why their jeweler purchases wasn't all sparkle and rainbows. Almost as if we opened Pandora's box 
allowing a topic that is a bit taboo to reach the surface. And I love this. It's like hitting a nerve and being able to talk about things that are a bit sensitive. Because I almost believe that people can find it a bit embarrassing to admit that you don't like something that you yourself paid a lot of money for. It's okay when it's something you bought off a sale rack for $15, but not a diamond ring that costs $2,000. And most people who have met me at a cocktail party or in a similar situation, know that I pretty much skip the small talk and dive headfirst into the deep end of more personal questions. Some people love it, others don't. I like to believe I have gotten better at reading the room as I have gotten older, but I also believe that there are many people like me who like a bit of substance with our glass of wine. And that is hopefully what we will get in today's episode substance. The wine is optional. So I thought I would read some of the stories and advice our followers sent to us. That is as an answer to the question, what went wrong when you bought a piece of jewelry that wasn't quite right for you? Because I am a firm believer that it is one of the best things we have when we can share our mistakes or disappointments and at the same time help someone else perhaps you who listen, avoid making the same mistake or perhaps feel a little bit less alone in their misery, <laughs> if you can call it that. But first, I want to share a story. It wouldn't be a proper episode without at least one proper anecdote. This past winter, we got an email from a girl who wanted earrings and asked if we made those. Her first email was very candid she told us how she was very keen for us to make her a pair of earrings and asked if we would do that, despite not having any on our website at the moment. I told her that of course we would make her some earrings and asked her what sort of budget she was working with so that I knew what stones I could look at. And then she revealed that her budget was lower than what the least expensive piece on our website was where at the time there were only rings. And then it hit me. Wait a minute. This girl was probably not specifically looking for earrings. She had simply understood that she couldn't quite afford a ring at the moment and figured that she could start her fine jewelry collection with a pair of earrings instead. So then I had to be straight with her. An earring with the smallest size of stone we use in our rings would be barely visible in the ear. The fact is, stones used in solitaire earrings almost have to be bigger than those in rings because gemstones sort of get lost in your earlobe. Often you need a higher budget for earrings than finger rings, especially as you often want to buy two, a pair of earrings. I told her this quite matter-of-factly so that she could make her own decision in the matter and let her know that we could make her a pair of fairly simple gold earrings within her budget, but that they would be rather small. And she actually answered, Okay, I understand. Well, then it is better that I save enough money for a ring. And what I learned from this conversation is that your gut instinct is almost always right. 
I sensed that what she wanted was a ring, but that she couldn't quite afford it. And despite that she didn't become a customer then and there, I was proud that I had helped guide her make her own decision to save up for jewelry. In this case, a ring she really wanted. I don't think she would have been happy with a pair of simple teeny tiny earrings that she could afford right now. Nothing wrong with tiny earrings. It just wasn't what she was after. But in broad terms, I think it is about finding that symbiosis between buyer and seller. Everything is about expectations. It's up to the seller to manage the customer's expectations and only go through with the sales where you can meet or exceed the customer's expectations. But I actually think it is up to both the seller and buyer to see to it that the customer walks away happy. We as customers have to be honest and ask the right questions. And actually... This lesson is a perfect segue into one of the stories we got from a follower on Instagram where she explained where things went wrong for her. I had the wrong expectations. The dimensions were so much smaller in reality. And this really proves why you should know what you are buying. Let's call it cardinal jewelry sin number one. Yes, there are seven. Not knowing what you are buying. But even if you do know what you are buying, things can go wrong. It is easy to think that if you just try a piece, you will know if it's right or not. But a different follower actually wrote this. I tried a necklace quite quickly in the store and then later noticed that I never wanted to wear it. So it is not just about knowing what you buy. It's also about knowing yourself. So, cardinal jewelry sin number two, not knowing your style. All of a sudden, we just added a whole lot of pressure to the jewelry buying process. And just as a side note, this is why I love this industry. It's about getting to know yourself more and more. To build your own jewelry collection is like going on a trip of self-discovery. Because even when you do know yourself and your style, your style can develop and change. This is what a girl wrote to us. My preferences changed and I started to prefer red gold over white gold. This doesn't mean that the white gold jewelry purchases she made in the past were wrong then, but they aren't right today a few years later. I actually think this is a quite fascinating development and what you like can and will change over time. And you have to allow this process. In a sense, it's a sign of personal development. I think the mistake would rather be if she kept buying white gold jewelry, even though she now prefers red gold. So, cardinal jewelry sin number three not allowing your style to evolve over time. Which leads us into the fourth comment we got from a follower. She wrote, I bought jewelry of poor quality and style changes over the years. And now we are really onto something. Buy high quality jewelry because then they will have a decent secondhand value. Ladies and gentlemen, Cardinal Jewelry Sin number four, 
buying jewelry of poor quality. This too is interesting because now you have to evaluate what is quality? What does quality mean to you? Another girl, most of our followers are women, wrote, I am unhappy that I chose too nice of a diamond. In hindsight, I would have rather bought a bigger one. For you who have listened to the diamond episode, episode 11, you will know that by making the right compromises between the four C's when buying a diamond, you will get a stone that might be imperfect, but perfect for you. If size does matter, wink, wink, perhaps you don't need a perfectly clear and colorless stone. Perhaps you can accept a lower quality grade, like a lower color, for example, and some small inclusions that still won't be visible to the naked eye to get a larger stone at the same price of a smaller so-called perfect stone. Which of the four C's is most important to you? We all value those qualities differently. Alice, cardinal jewelry scene number five, caring too much about what other people think. After all, it is you who will wear the jewelry. Then there is the situation when you come home and your new jewelry piece doesn't quite work with the rest of your collection. Pro tip. If you want to avoid this, listen to episodes 6 and 8. A follower wrote, I was too quick. I needed more time to try and to think things over. Doing a deep dive into your current jewelry collection, and perhaps in your closet, is important. Evaluate what you already have. I didn't consider how it would work with my other jewelry, another girl explained. I would like to summarize this into cardinal jewelry sin number six, not having a plan. This doesn't mean you have to have everything down to a T, but you should probably have an overall idea of what you're looking for. For example, I have a note in my phone where I write future dream pieces. And if I then get a sudden impulse or craving for a stone I haven't thought about before... Then I will consult my notes and see if I should really prioritize this gem over all others. At least I give myself a chance to think it over once before I slip with my credit card. Which is funny, because now we are going to talk about the complete opposite scenario. Cardinal jewelry scene number seven. Not being able to deviate from the plan. Because if it is something we have learned in this podcast, it is that when it comes to natural precious stones, you need to dare to strike when you have the right stone in front of you. If you don't, you'll miss the opportunity and might have to wait for years to get a second chance. That is why you shouldn't be dead set on a specific piece of jewelry or a specific color, but keep an open mind to other things that may come along. A girl wrote, I looked for a perfect sapphire for a long time and it took such a long time for a local jeweler that I finally caved and bought what he had sourced. The setting was also nice but not the perfect one for me. Now, 
I don't know exactly what kind of jewelry she bought. Some purchases might be more time sensitive than others. So if you are buying a piece for a certain occasion and don't have the time to wait, then I think you should be open to suggestions. Save that sapphire purchase for when you find the perfect one. It might be in a few years and buy a different stone that is easier to get hold of today. Something that is just as pretty, but in a different way. Something that fills another void in your jewelry collection. It is much more fun to keep your dream about getting that perfect sapphire alive and enjoy your other jewelry until you find it. You should never buy something you are not happy about. It can also be the case that you are looking for a sapphire that doesn't exist. Like you may have an idea of what your dream partner would be like. You may have an idea of how it is supposed to feel when you find the perfect stone and have an idea of how it will look in your head. But these thoughts and expectations may not be realistic. Even I, who have seen a ton of gemstones, can feel this sometimes. So having too much of a set plan, both in love and jewelry, might actually hinder more than it helps. And it can give you tunnel vision so that you miss out on all the amazing gemstones and people out there looking for something or someone you might never find. It would be so interesting to hear from you who wrote about the sapphire if you ever found that perfect one or if you are still looking. So those are the seven most common mistakes or as I have called them, the seven cardinal jewelry sins that I have deducted from the stories you shared with us through Instagram. And now it is time for me to give you my best tips on how to avoid falling for them so that your next piece of jewelry and the purchasing process will be just as magical as you deserve. We all know how easy it is to get carried away when meeting a charming salesperson or simply by the sparkling environment. If you are surrounded by white diamonds in the room, it is easy to feel that the white gemstone you were considering is boring and rather go for the pink sapphire one. But when you get home, you are no longer surrounded by sparkling white diamonds, perhaps not even a single one. Then that white diamond you earlier discarded as boring might be just what you are missing. And the pink sapphire no longer pops. So, my five best tips that by total coincidence not correlate to the seven cardinal jewelry sins are number one, have a loose plan. And this goes for any and all of your shopping adventures. Whether it is clothes, accessories, interior, vehicles or jewelry. As I mentioned, I have a note in my phone where I write which jewelry pieces I would like to invest in next. And when I get a new idea, I write it down there. This allows me to keep some control of my impulses and at least have a look at all other purchases I have planned. And should this new obsession be prioritized over all the other dream pieces that may have been on my mind for months or even a year? Although I must say that this tip 
is for the people who, like me, are very spontaneous. If you are not, you might have to dare to take the leap sometimes and be more spontaneous, which incidentally takes me to tip number two, which is to dare to be spontaneous and pull the trigger when you do find one of the pieces on your list, kind of like when you find the shoes you've been coveting on 70% sale. If you have spent ages looking for the perfect green sapphire and one comes along, don't hesitate. That is your stone. Tip number three. Don't get tunnel vision and get caught up on your specifications list. Because then you might miss all the other beautiful stones out there. I am still longing for an angel ring with five light yellow sapphires. But it doesn't stop me from getting other pieces of jewelry in the meantime. And by the way, I finally found my angel ring with five light yellow sapphires. But it might take me a year or ten to find the right sapphires. I don't know beforehand. But I still want to build the rest of my jewelry collection while I look. It's kind of like looking for the one partner who ticks all your boxes and refusing to date anyone else in the meantime. But if you do put yourself out there and date others while searching for the perfect person, you might find a person that ticks none of your prerequisite boxes, but who is perfectly imperfect for you. And number four, speaking about not being perfect, you cannot expect your preferences or style to be perfect from day one. Or you know that your idea of perfect today is the same as it was 10, 5 or even 1 year ago. And number four, speaking about not being perfect, you cannot expect your preferences or style to be perfect from day one. Or that your idea of perfect today is the same as it is 10, 5 or even 1 year from now. And that is why I think it is important that you take good care of your jewelry so that they stay in good condition so that you can pass them along or sell them if your style evolves or when it evolves. A good example is my darling red Vespa, the Italian motorcycle. I took such good care of her that after four years, I sold her for the same price as I had bought her for. And number five. Finally, don't be so hard on yourself. You need to take into account that all of your jewelry purchases won't be perfect. Kind of like not every piece of clothing you ever buy will be right. The more you get to know yourself and the more jewelry you wear, the more on the money you will be. But if you end up buying the wrong piece, it is not the end of the world. It's not like you threw your money away completely and you have to live with your mistake forever. There are ways to mitigate the issue. Damage control, if you will. And that is what I thought we'd talk about now. Saving a purchase gone wrong. Or at least what we do as a brand when a customer isn't entirely happy with their piece. When it just doesn't feel right. Rule number one. When it comes to fine jewelry, it is kind of like if you went to Savile Row and got a bespoke suit. If you order it, you buy it. You can't just return it. 
The more original a piece is, the harder it is to return because the customer base for that specific piece, let's say a magenta and orange three-piece suit, might be non-existent. The easiest pieces to regret are the generic ones, like a white diamond solitaire, for example. Finding a new potential buyer is quite easy if you, say, have a change of heart and want a bigger stone. And this situation is actually quite common and easy to solve if you do it quite quickly as soon as you received your piece. So it doesn't get traces of being worn. And that is why I don't recommend people custom designs if you aren't 100% sure about the design or gemstones. In my experience, the custom designs where you went so far out of the original design box you couldn't even see, though with binoculars, are the pieces you tire of the most quickly because it was more about the process than the end design. A specific model or gemstone doesn't typically become popular for nothing. It is loved because it is liked by many and because it is easy to mix and match. But I have never, during my seven years in the business, experience that two clients have identical jewelry collections. So even if you buy a standard white diamond solitaire, it will be unique in your collection. And you can always engrave the gold and customize it in a myriad of different ways. What I am saying, a diamond solitaire is never a bad idea. Even my edgy friend, the one with the yellow insect ring, she has one. So if you aren't a jewelry aficionado yet, my advice is to start simple. Get to know your style and then go wild. But then what to do if a piece is completely wrong and you know you will never wear it? First of all, I think you should be proud of yourself that you dare to try something different. You have to push your own boundaries to get to know yourself and develop as a person. And what you should do, well, it sort of depends on where things went wrong. What are you not happy with? Because you can change details of a ring. For example, if you are unhappy about the color of the stone because you went a bit wild when you chose it, sometimes it is possible to simply replace it with a different stone. If it doesn't feel right on the finger you initially intended to wear it on, hand it into the studio for resizing and wear it on a different finger instead. But if everything is wrong and it doesn't matter what you do to try and change the piece because you still won't wear it, then you have a few options. Save it for later and give it to a relative, for example, your children. Or give it away straight away. Perhaps your mom or sister loves it. And the third option is to sell it on the second hand market, for example, at auction. The issue with this is that most people still have a relatively low knowledge about gemstones and fine jewelry, although we are trying to change that with this podcast and don't appreciate its value. Therefore, it might be worth holding on to the pieces for a while until the market have caught up and you can get a better return. But again, this is just my speculation. And if it is a Mumbai piece, you can always resell it through us at our online auctions. In our experience, you actually get a quite decent price on 
pre-loved pieces there. And the most you can get back when you resale your piece with us at the moment is 50%, which is a whole lot better than having a piece that you hate just sitting there in your jeweler box. And finally, then there is always the alternative to pick the piece apart and sell the golden stones separately. But I would say that this is almost to destroy the value of the piece. It is better to keep it in one piece so that you maintain the design value and all the value of the labor that went into creating the piece. Then there are, of course, the occasions when it wasn't your fault that things went pear-shaped. A girl wrote, My expectations weren't met. The piece didn't match what I ordered, but I was treated with respect and they redid it. And this is exactly how I think it should go. This is good customer service. It is extremely important that we who work in the industry take responsibility for our actions and try to make our customers happy. But I can't help but think that many clients aren't 100% happy, but don't dare to speak up. And I myself have actually gotten better at giving constructive criticism to companies when I wasn't 100% happy because I know how much it means. But my best tip is do your research. Look into the company you are buying your jewelry from. Because we actually had two girls, right? Misunderstandings in the communication about the jewelry design. And made a ring at a goldsmith who just didn't make what I asked for. This is why it's crucial to do your research. What have they done in the past? Do they understand what you're trying to communicate with regards to the design? And here, my main tip is to look at what kind of pieces the goldsmith has on display in their shop window or on their Instagram. Does it look similar to the pieces you have on your mind? If not, perhaps you should go to a different goldsmith who shares the design aesthetic you are after. And before we get to the final part of this episode, I want to share a tip for you who are a relative jeweler rookie. And it is actually also what a girl wrote to us. I think you often see others with an original or unique piece and wish it would suit you just as well. Which is why my number one advice, if you are new to jewelry, is simply start small. Start by wearing jewelry. Don't go all in the first thing you do. Baby steps. For example, a small diamond ring. It doesn't have to be a white diamond. You can also go for black. And take it from there. Like our tiny and not so tiny diamond rings. Most jewelry brands have their own version of this. Get your bearings with some safeguards and test your way forward. Or go wild, what do I know? But soon enough, you will find your personal style. The worst thing you can do to your own jewelry development is to not wear any jewelry at all. Because this is the simplest way to make sure you will never find out what you like. I thought I'd round things off by touching upon a topic that, of course, is highly relevant to us jewelry nerds. 
Namely, those of us who would like to receive jewelry as gifts from someone else. Even if I am a strong advocate for buying jewelry for yourself, you can't get away from the fact that jewelry is an excellent gift. So, of course, I also turned to our followers for this one. I asked Elena to ask some questions on Instagram. And the first one she asked was, have you ever gotten a piece of jewelry from someone else that you didn't like? 89% of those answered yes. Of course, the follow-up question had to be, is it a poor idea to give jewelry away as a gift? But then everybody said no, or 86%. So we dug deeper with the question, how do you make sure your jewelry gift is a success? Tell us what you think. And I thought I'd share what I thought were some of the best answers. Keep it simple. And the next. Starting with the color of the metal is key. Most people don't like to mix and have their color. And this girl is referring to the color of the gold or silver. If the person usually wears yellow or red gold, for example, or white gold or silver. And this is a rule of thumb that you shouldn't mix while other people like to mix. But it's a good idea to buy jewelry in the metal color that that person usually wears. That's a safe tip. And the third tip was ask before so that the person buying the gift should ask some questions. And the fourth tip, going for something classic is not boring. And next one, letting the person who is receiving the gift pick themselves, like buy a gift card. And then, if you know the person really well and know their preferences, you will be fine. And the last one, look at what pieces the person already has, red or white gold, delicate or statement pieces. And my tip, which is actually the same as one of our followers, is go for something classic when giving away jewelry as a gift. Save the crazy statement pieces for yourself. And if you want to give away something unique, collaborate with the person you are giving it to. Do your research and find out what they like and would want. And if you are really unsure, let the person be involved in the process. And let the element of surprise for this case be a special engraving that is revealed when the piece is delivered, for example. And if you are the one hoping to get a diamond under the Christmas tree, drop subtle hints of what you like and enjoy then what you get. If you already started your jewelry collection, then the pressure is taken off the jewelry you might get as a gift. I actually gave a ring as a gift to a girl who graduated high school this summer. And I picked a cute five diamond triangle ring. You can look it up on the website if you're curious. But I chose this ring because it has diamonds, it's small, it's cute and dainty. You can't really go wrong with that. I know that whatever jewelry she buy for herself in the future or other jewelry she will receive, they will, will fit perfectly with this ring. And then back to Instagram. Elena asked a final question. 
Do you think that you are ungrateful if you don't like a gift that you received? And 78% answered no. So it is okay not to love all gifts. Okay. Phew. That was quite a lot we went through in this episode. And the goal with this was simply to make you feel a bit more comfortable in making your own choices. Buying jewelry is not the end of the world. It should be a fun and sparkling experience. And with a few simple steps, it can be. I hope you found it interesting to hear about others' experiences. And hopefully you can avoid making the same mistakes they did. And it might be a bit comforting to know that you are not alone out there. Others make mistakes too. So, a massive thanks to all of you who shared your experiences. But I will also say this. I believe that the companies who sell the jewelry have a big responsibility in this. It is my opinion that the purchase process today is a lot more of a cooperation between the customer and the seller rather than a transaction. And this means that good companies know that no matter how good the UX of their website is, how extensive of an FAQ they have, and how smart their chatbot who should help manage customer expectation is, it can never be 100% perfect with every single customer. It's just life and something you need as a business to take into the calculation. Just such a simple thing as adding $10 to the price on all the products you sell. Well, if they are relatively expensive ones at least. So that you can afford to provide good customer care in case something goes wrong. The worst thing I know is when something goes wrong and the company's customer service starts to argue with you. And I want to share one last anecdote of when I went to the paint shop to buy wall paint. There is a shop in the center of Stockholm in a quite nice neighborhood. It is quite expensive or super expensive if you listen to my boyfriend who prefers shops like Walwart. Or to be precise, the Swedish shops Biltemann Bauhaus. But I always go there because I love the service I get. I know that this paint shop have the best paint brushes, the best floral varnish, the best wall paint. It feels like they created the selection of stuff so I don't have to. I can just go in and ask what I need and go home and start to paint. Perhaps... There is even better stuff out there. What do I know? I am not a professional, <laughs> but I am confident it is good enough. And so this, this one time there was a mistake and I managed to get two jars of primer home when I only needed one. I probably miscommunicated with the person who helped me, but he grabbed the wrong tin from the shelf. And I couldn't find the receipt and I needed to go back straight away to exchange it. Of course, I had done what you absolutely shouldn't and opened the tin. A big no-no when it comes to paint. If you open a tin, you can't return it. That's the rule. But I went back with my open tin to see what they would say. I had barely uttered the words, so there was a mistake before the guy took the tin back and said, 
So what would you like instead? And that is good customer service. And so many paint jars that I have bought there, I know that they had taken this mistake into account. It's good business planning. And those are the kind of shops I think you should support. It requires that they set the bar high in their customer interactions because if you have a lot of unhappy customers and a lot of mistakes, you can't afford good customer service. But if 95% of your customers are happy, then all companies with correctly set prices can afford to provide great customer service. And I probably wouldn't have understood this a couple of years ago. But now, my view on customer service has changed. And I think you need to count customer service into your bottom line when setting your prices. As a matter of fact, we have taken entire pieces back if a customer felt they made the wrong decisions with the piece of jewelry, no matter how expensive the piece was. And now, of course, I wonder. Have you made a poor decision when buying jewelry? Have you regretted the pieces or felt disappointed with the store? Please do slide into our DMs on Instagram, Jewelry Podcast, and maybe I can share your reply in an upcoming episode. And of course, you can remain anonymous. I want to thank you for joining me today and for listening to this episode. And I wish you a lovely day. And don't forget, you deserve fine jewelry. Mm-hmm.